This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, mid-October, and uh, the season keeps moving right along, and remind you, up front, foremost, we're giving away a Bear Execute, fully loaded with Trophy Ridge accessories. The Execute is the uh, 2023 flagship bow from Bear, and um, I did, I got confirmation from my, my source at Bear today. We're going to make sure we get that thing out immediately following the drawing so that we can have it in time for the holidays. We're going to announce that winner on the 16th. And uh, the way that you get entered to win this package, and it's about $2,000 worth of gear uh, with everything you need except arrows to get to get going um, with that bow setup. The way you enter is every hat, every Louisiana Bowhunter hat purchased off of LouisianaBowhunter.com between now and and the end of December 15th is entered. If you buy more than one hat, you get more than one entry. And make sure you follow along, listen to the podcast, follow us on social media, because we may do some other promotions along the way to help you earn extra entries in the drawing. And uh, very excited and thankful to Bear Archery for supporting the podcast and hooking us up with this package to give away to one of our listeners and one of the followers of Louisiana Bowhunter. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And... Uh, as I said, it's mid-October, and we are in in mid-season or mid-archery season form. And Colin Levi here with me. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? What up? Uh, I can hear your uh, your horse galloping, Levi. Yeah, Levi's 
typing Shut or something. Type. Anyway. Uh, hey, Levi. My, are you... head, my headset sucks. Are you ready? <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready? No, I'm not. Don't press the are button. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to hit you. I'm going to hit you eventually, but I'm not telling you when it's coming, so get ready. Uh, okay. Joining us on the podcast, right on. Uh, Adam Sanderson, Redline Outdoors, and you may have seen some of his posts and stuff through the Louisiana Boner community or on his pages. Adam, thank you for joining us. What's going on? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, start off. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yep. Loud yep. and clear. Uh, start off by telling everybody kind of where you're from. Give us a little background information on you and your your outdoor pages online and what brought you to this podcast. Yep. So my name is Adam Sanderson. I'm from northern Louisiana in uh, Washtenaw Parish. I'm 39 years old. Been married for 16 years, and we just had an anniversary six days ago. And I have a son that's 11 and a daughter that's seven. And I started Redline Outdoors in 2020, uh, June of 2020, something like that. I started the uh, that outdoor brand. And um, I think um, Ian Bridges, a friend of mine, referred me over to Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast uh, and uh, kind of got us hooked up. So I appreciate y'all having me on. What yeah. was um, – were you fixing to say something or is that just – I was just going to say, noise? yeah, well, both. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, we've – I don't remember who specifically, but I think we've had three or four or five people request you, so it's good well, that we're finally that, finally here. I had to, I had to say it's very flattering because I'm just a normal hunter that gets lucky every now and then, so – <laughs> well, give us a kind of give us a, a a story or a little bit of a background on on how you why you started Redline, kind of what got that whole process going. You know what led you to doing that. Yeah, so I was filming for another YouTube channel, uh, Craig Robertson. Uh, his YouTube channel is called The Goat Road, and I was pretty much uh, just giving him my content, and he would edit it and put it on his channel. So. Uh, I started thinking, you know, why don't I start my own brand? So it kind of branched from there. And I guess I've been filming my hunch for probably, I don't know, four or five years, somewhere in that range, something like that. So it's definitely been a learning process. And, um, y'all can go to Craig's channel. He's got a YouTube channel. It's called The Goat Rope. Some of my uh, content is up on there in my early days. It, it's still early, but you know, four years ago, so, yeah, four to five. Levi, did you get your headset fixed? I mean, sucks, but I got a charger <laughs> hooked up to it, so mm. my battery. All right, I don't know if that's going to help anything or not, but, but, but like the, the, the self-filming deal, it's, it's, uh, it, it gets kind of addictive, uh, I guess you'd say. Yeah, so, I um, agree with that. I've been, I did that for a long time. I don't really, I don't really do a whole lot of self filming anymore, but uh, you know, I you're did, welcome. I, yeah, because Colin's <laughs> usually with me, and uh, usually just a whole different. Oh. Yeah, Colin is is my camera guy for most of my hunts, and so that. But it it, it it's kind of deep. I guess it's kind of different than that because I was kind of like you are, Adam, for a long time. I just did it because it was kind of a hobby, a challenge. Yep. And it wasn't Very my much. job. Now it's my job. 
and so now that it's my job, I can't really, you know, I'm, I'm doing different kind of stuff. So, but it, it is, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I've had, I'm sure you've heard this and I've heard it so many times, so many people like, why in the world do you go through all that trouble to pack all that stuff and do all that? And, and it's, it, but what people don't understand is for, for people that want to do the self filming and stuff, it's not about just getting a video. It's the whole thing. You know, it's the whole right. process, the whole challenge of being able to accomplish that while hunting a deer that's not easy to hunt to begin with. It's more than just, hey, I want to have video of my hunt. It's, I want to do this, you know. Yep. You got to commit to it. Because, like, if you don't commit to the self-filming thing, if you're a self-filmer. Now, if you have a cameraman, that's uh, a little different, I guess. I don't know. But you got to commit to it. So, uh, and sometimes when that big book is standing there, and it's do or die it's like a camera or, or my bow you know yeah that's so the, the, even, yeah. even now but once i get to my computer and look at the footage look at my sd card you know it has cost me dear before so <clears throat> that's just a gamble you got to be willing to take now yeah i mean up. go ahead i was just gonna say you you have to make the the choice up front you pretty much have two options you commit to the camera or you commit to the deer yeah. And you pretty much got to know that going in. Right. I tell, hey, I'll I, tell you one thing. No, go ahead. Dan. Go ahead. One thing that's helped me a lot with my bow hunting is this little thing right here. I put it on my stabilizer and if all else fails, it's not the best, but I do have something to show other than the deer walk out of frame and I shot and y'all don't get to see anything. Yeah. For, so for I've people. had to revert to that before. He, he's he's at we're on a video call so we can I'm see sorry. each other no it's okay uh, he, he's he was showing uh you know a, a point of view camera like a gopro i don't know if that was a gopro or another brand but it's it's an osmo but, but yeah same, yeah it's same, one of one of those and i one of the things that i you know just have probably said to a lot of different people in this kind of conversation because i i think that for people there's a certain point that you n need to get to as a hunter with what your desires are, what you're trying to get out of it before you should really even waste your time trying to self-film. In other words, right. you have to be completely okay with not killing a deer. Right. You know, it, it really does come to that point of like, I yeah, I'm here to kill a deer. I am here to kill a deer. But the first priority is to kill the deer on film, not just kill the deer. And if right. if if you're not 100%, if you can't be 100% honest with yourself that, hey, no matter what, that's my priority, then, I mean, obviously, you can always abandon. I mean, if you want to, there's nobody holding a gun to your head. You can abandon the, the, the camera and do it. But if you want to be successful, and my, my thing is, if if you can't be completely honest with yourself and say, that's truly where I am, and I am really okay with letting the deer walk off and hunting him another day under any circumstance. Right. If you're not truly okay with that, then you're kind of wasting your time is my whole point. I mean, I know you can do it, and you can decide in the moment, but it's really, you know, it's you're kind of playing with your food in that situation. You're going to be kicking yourself in the butt when you get back for yeah, not taking the time. Well, in, in reality, well, in reality, you're probably going to hamper your hunting and your video, and you're not so you're not going to get really good of – the good out of either one of them it's it's the lukewarm either hot or cold you know yeah like if you do that and you're not 100 percent sure that that's what you want to do and you're honest with yourself about that then 
chances are you're gonna mess up the hunt and the video all at the same time right yeah <laughs> you know yeah you got nothing hey, another 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 thing i can say about that is if you do y'all listening get into self-filming and you find yourself wanting to zoom in and get that perfect kill shot and all that don't do it zoom out and zoom in whenever you edit it yeah okay it, it may be a little bit more grainier it may not be as clear but at least you get that shot on camera yeah just zoom out yeah I, I i agree I, and i've had a few people over the years from some some hunts that i did self-film where i kind of did that you know and you could see the the change in quality and it was a man you should have zoomed up for you shot and i'm like tell me you've never man. self-filmed without telling me you've never right. self-filmed. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly because if you zoom in they take two steps and they're out of frame exactly. and all you see is their their butt it's, it's you got to yeah. let your bow back down and move it and Chances are you it's you're gonna get busted. Yep. Yep, but. yep, yep. All right. Levi, you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> Come I'm on, hit me. I'm, I'm okay. Yes. It's Levi's fun fact of the week. What you got, Levi? Um Adam has the most kick ass handlebar mustache we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one i'm proud of you even though you didn't prepare that wow. it just it just landed no, in your i lap. didn't prepare it's that just yeah it did and anybody that's listening when we uh adam you're gonna have to send us a really good picture of that mustache <laughs> that's, it's still in the early stages i might have to grow it out just a little more and if anybody sends us one that's better than Adams, oh, and we gosh. all vote on it, they get a free hat. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm game for that. We got we got some we got some giveaway hats laying around that are well oh, deserving of a mustache contest. There's some sure enough mustaches out there. What's the guy's name that uh, he played in all the westerns? I can't think of it right now. Oh, the the guy the, uh, he was on Lonesome Dove. No, no, no. He's him. he's thinking of he's thinking of Sam Elliott. Yeah, that's uh, who I'm thinking of. Yep. Sam. Yeah, that's it. Sam Elliott. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. The guy that does the Dodge commercials. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I, I'm curious. We were talking about several things on this on this podcast. It, we don't have a specific, you know, grain in topic for for this podcast. We just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about your experiences and and stuff like that. But I I'm curious a, a little bit about you know what your journey with youtube has been you've got a pretty good following you know you're up close to seven thousand. so yeah. what's that process been like for you what have you found in in terms of creating hunting content what have you found works what doesn't work you know what give us a little insight to that process for you um here recently i found that titles matter you almost have to make it clickbaitish. Yeah. You can't say yep. um went hunting in the Midwest, killed a big buck. You you gotta throw something else in there. Um that meshed with thumbnails, uh quality thumbnails. Of course some of mine aren't quite so quality, but uh, quality thumbnails. Uh and moving the edit along if you're into editing films, y'all watching this, you gotta kinda keep things moving. I try not to talk so much to the camera like I did back when I first started. I'd do a five-minute intro. Guess what? Most of them fix the lead. Yeah. So, and I try to keep people interested in the video. Like, if it's a hunting video, not, 
not everything I do is, um, I'm, not everything I do, I'm killing the deer. Like, I can't come up with a hundred episodes a year killing deer. So I got to throw other things in there. So I try to um, keep their interest till um, the kill shot per se, because I can see in my analytics that um, at the kill shot, most people, they see what they want to see and, and they're, they're gone, gone to the next video. They want, they want action. So um, I try to keep it as interesting as possible. However, I am not the best editor in the world. Um, my first edit that I ever did on YouTube took me seven hours. I had no idea how to um, get footage off of an SD card and put it on my computer. I had to YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my uh, tech background was zero. So, um, And even now, my edits are really basic. So, remind me again, but, you, you said it earlier, but when did you start your channel? 2020 june of 2020 is whenever i uh, opened the brand so, so this will be your um, your fourth season filming just for your channel right what do you yep. think what do you think you've gotten better at over those four years what, what do you what have you gotten better at and what are you still trying to get better at um even still even when it's just me and the camera i'm still still bad at uh, talking to the camera because whenever i get back and look at the footage and, and all that um I had to cut out a lot. Whenever you watch my intros, there's clip, 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 clip. Um, I'm still terrible at that. So camera presence is big. So in my mind, I have to tell myself that I'm the editor. I can edit out whatever I want to and fix anything I need to. So, Purposefully built and designed for every hunting scenario, the Persist is packed with more features than any bear bow before. Stealthy and silent help define the mission behind the design of this bow. In-riser dampeners and killer wave limb dampeners eliminate vibration, while all-new silent shelf technology provides security against air and arrow contact with your riser. New integrated loops have been added into the limb pockets, allowing for quick and secure connection of a pull-up rope, as well as machined-in quick disconnect attachment points for your favorite QD shoulder sling. The Persist dresses up as sleek as possible with Picatinny mounts for your sight and the integrated mounting system for your arrow rest. At Bear Archery, we persist on building the finest bows available. And this is our finest yet. Like this summer, I, I did some crabbing uh, with another YouTube channel in South Louisiana. It's called Outside the Babies. Y'all may know it. I don't yeah, know. I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of him. Jared said, hey, uh, went crabbing with him, uh, caught some uh, cichlid, and I said it wrong in the video. I think it was a Rio Grande cichlid that we caught. Uh, I don't even know what that is. But they're they're <laughs> an invasive, invasive species, and as a matter of fact, it's illegal to throw them back. So, it's a fish? Uh, yeah. What it's kind fish. of fish? Like it's kind of like an aquarium-looking, an aquarium looking, uh, it's kind of a... a shaped like a brim somewhat but you can pretty much find them where, wherever bluegill are so you caught them in crab and, traps <laughs> or you caught them on a hook no no we, we <laughs> caught them fishing caught them on a hook caught them on uh i think i caught them on worms yeah well yeah, i did red I, worms my, my, well well no in my, in my defense my my <laughs> My internet froze for like seven seconds, and the last thing he said was the crab traps, and he was talking okay. about Jared, and then the next thing he was talking about the fit, and so if he said something that would have made more sense, I'm sorry, yeah. I just didn't. 
Because <laughs> I was like, hold on, yeah. hold on. I'm still thinking crabbing, you know, when you said that. So, anyway. Yeah, that was my first time to go crabbing. But, but anyway, uh, I, I guess uh, coming up with different topics to, to, to film in the off-season, I guess you would say, um, like, uh, Redline Outdoors can't compete with the hunting public, and I can't compete with uh, Seeking One and those big YouTube guys. So, uh, so I gotta, I gotta be creative. Yeah. Um. Well, I as th- this when this episode releases, we're gonna be really just about to kind of turn the corner and get ready for people that are that are looking towards those midwestern rut hunts we're only going to be a few weeks away from that i I understand that you do some of that kind of hunting i'd like to talk about that a little bit and kind of get your your take on on hunting the midwest and and what your experiences have been on that yep so my first year in the midwest ever was in 2014 and it was a nebraska trip and it was a rifle hunt and i told myself there ain't no way in heck i'm driving 900 miles to bring up boat and just be able to shoot 30 yards of a deer so i went and bought this fancy uh sendero uh seven millimeter you know short light i think it is whatever it was anyway i wound up killing a, a 10 point like a 300 pound 10 point at 15 yards so, <laughs> uh, that always goes. so yeah that's how it always yeah, goes that, i know so that that was my first Midwest trip uh, um, in the Midwest, and then I started going to uh, Missouri. A friend of mine got a lease in uh, Mid-State Missouri, and uh, we pretty much uh, struck a deal that uh, if I did the work, uh, I had the lease, and and so I went up there one June or July, and and uh, on I think eleven lock on. And uh, hung some cameras and some uh, started some mineral sites and all that. So, and I made a trip in October and I had one shooter on camera. Okay, and um, I wound up killing that deer 900 yards from the camera that I was getting pictures of him on. Uh, I grunted him up uh, on November the 7th, I believe it was. Yeah. Pretty good day, day a, to do it. On a morning hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it, I'd say it, so. It was, November the 7th is, is fire in Missouri, in, in the Midwest. Yeah. I think I've killed five deer on November the 8th. Here or in the uh, Midwest? In the Midwest. Between okay. Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska. Between those three states, I can't recall off the top of my head the numbers exactly, but eight, eight deer on November the 8th. <laughs> no, that that there's something about those you know the fourth through the no, eighth is, yep. i said eight deer five deer four, on november the eighth five deer yep. that's something to it it ain't just happenstance what part of nebraska southeast you don't want to no i don't I, I hunt private so okay it was it private it was private farm in southeast yeah. nebraska and uh very southeast like actually when I go up there, uh, I have friends in the northwestern part of the state, and I can kind of hunt both. I've, I've on se- on several different trips. I've hunted nor- northeast Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, or some combination of the three, 
all in one trip because you can drive within 30 minutes of being any of them. So, so you still got that Kansas genetic right there. Yeah, I have actually found that <clears throat> there's something it's there. I don't know about horn because I've hunted southeast Kansas a lot too, and I've killed several deer in southeast Kansas. I've killed one in northeast Kansas, and I the, the biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof was on that hunt that I, that in northeast Kansas, and I I'm not gonna. I, I I mean I'm I'm not gonna say for sure, but my guess is somewhere in the mid 180s to mid 190s. He was a really really big deer, and I saw him three times that week. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, but outside of that one deer, uh, all in that area, the body size, even in even in Northwest Missouri, and it, there's just a lot of agriculture and and yeah. you know bean corn and stuff, and the body size is tremendous. But I don't find necessarily on average that inches of antler is is any bigger than in southeast kansas southeast kansas to me i've killed several deer in southeast kansas and i've killed a few that were that were big body but the three biggest body deer i've ever killed were all within about a 30 mile bubble of each other the one in northeast kansas one in southeast nebraska and one in northeast missouri and i killed them all three of them within about a five-year period and all three of those deer were 300 pound plus and i've never killed Mm. deer with that body size anywhere else than that little area right there and i've killed deer that scored higher than those deer in other places including louisiana i've killed deer that scored higher than those deer so uh people people don't understand how big a 300 pound whitetail is oh like, yeah colin, I, I colin learned some that people last do, year yeah. yeah i killed it's, one with with him it was the first i think that's the first one you've seen that size wasn't it colin yeah well i've seen the the year before that well not last year two so three years ago, we saw the I saw the one in Kansas, the big eight, and that was that was a you know not deer. three not three hundred, but it was it was a big body, biggest I had seen at that point. And then we killed two seasons ago. You killed the one in uh, Northwest Missouri, and good God Almighty, I mean it yeah. was it's it's it was definitely on the camera over three hundred. It's that deer right there, if you you can see on the camera that on I'm the camera. At. That's the my, one he's talking oh, about. Okay. Yeah, okay. In the uh, background. I that one that one was really big. It wasn't it wasn't the biggest one. And I just I, I the only thing I can fix and I'm sure, I've never been able to hunt Iowa. I've never had the points. But I was right there. I mean, that that area of southern Iowa that everybody hunts is not far away. And in fact, one of the deer that I'm talking about in this whole deal that I killed in Missouri uh probably 8 or 9 years ago, I was only about 5 miles from the Iowa border when I killed him. And and so you know, I know those deer are that size, but all I can really speak to is that, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know how far that goes out. Like when you get into the more plain country, the mid, uh, yeah. central and western Kansas and Nebraska, and you get out over in Illinois, I don't know if they stay, but in that area right through there, there is that kind of four state area around northwest Missouri. There, there is some huge body deer, but um, I'm I'm curious. We talk about this with a lot of different people that that have that experience and make those trips what what, as far as aside from the deer i mean we all we all know that when you go to some of these states and make these hunts you have a chance to kill a a size deer that that doesn't live down here and that that's one part of it but as far as just the hunting i mean what are your what are your primary 
you know, things that you key in on the differences, you know, likes or dislikes or anything about the difference between what it's like to hunt a season in Louisiana versus when you get to go up there and hunt those those seasons? Dude, this, this hunting the Midwest on a bad day is <laughs> – yeah, it's uh, – deer act like deer in the Midwest to me. So, um, you get to see deer uh, sparring, fighting. I've never seen one breeding. But, uh, you know, deer out in a field – you know, granted, there's places like that in Louisiana that you can get and, and leases, but most of the leases I have in big fields and ag country, you know, it's they're pretty skittish. But um, you get to see deer act like deer. They're not as pressured, uh, per se, uh, as, as down here. Uh, and, you know, hunting ag country, you have the chance to kill uh, larger size antler buck than you know piney woods deer that just uh is never going to reach you know say 150 160 you know some deer down here you know he's going to top out at you know possibly even 110 110 inches you know yeah so you have that chance of killing you, you never know what's fixing to come out not not to say that i know lots of people that gone to the midwest and come back to nothing you know not even have a chance at one but um, <clears throat> there's always a chance in, in the Midwest. I mean, it could happen, you, you know, you, yeah, you've been there a lot. It can happen like that. Oh, yeah. Any second. So. Yep. And you always got to be ready, and especially in the rut. So. There's yeah, just man. something about, I think what's what's really cool is like, we always talk about, you know, down here, our seasons, they're so long. It's just, it's just cool to be able to make a, like a week long trip up to the Midwest and experience that prime hunting time in November and then come home and you can still enjoy the prime hunting time, you know, down in the South. I think that's another mm -hmm. reason why a lot of people down yep. here go up there. It's not only for the, the bigger deer, but just in being able to enjoy that, that prime hunting multiple times in a season. Yeah. Double rut. For yep. people that don't do it, if you have the means and the availability to, to try to plan a trip, you definitely should. Buzzard Roost Saddles made right here in the great state of Louisiana should be on every Louisiana bow hunter's list as a must-have in their hunting arsenal. Buzzard Roost Saddles achieves comfort through adjustability for those long day sets during the rut and also provides the maneuverability to get up and move when you see the need. Buzzard Roost Saddles was created with the need to lighten the Piro as well as the backpack to go deeper than everyone else. Louisiana bow hunters are a mixed bag and Buzzard Roost Saddles is the tool to fit any job. Whether it's public land, private land, hardwoods, pines, or even the bottomless swamps, Buzzard Roost Saddles has what you need to stay mobile. I agree. Even if you have to do public land, you know, I, I don't, uh, it probably depends on the piece that you go to, but Oh, I don't think the public lands, you know, insanely crowded like some of the places here. Well, it's it from what I hear and what you hear people talking about on podcasts and on the internet and stuff, it's getting worse. You know, the internet yeah. is exposing a lot of areas that used to be very secluded and isolated. And um, yep. I guess that's happening everywhere, but specifically right. where the Midwest used to be very low traffic. It, that's changing because people are – 
it's not just a it's not a mystery anymore. You can see it, you know, with all the the content yeah. that's out there, and that's driving. Well, track. that and the one of the big things, even to that, is is Onyx and base yeah, map mapping. and all it makes it so easy. Like you can anybody that's you willing to everything. walk a mile, mile and a half off the from a parking lot can put them a waypoint, download the map, and they can go anywhere they want. So right. Yeah. So it makes it so easy yeah. now. So you 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 it, grew it's up fairly easy to scout. You grew up in Louisiana. That is it. You lived yes. your whole life there. Yep. And and it, did you grow up hunting? I probably started hunting when I was around. You know the squirrel hunting deal. Probably ten years old, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. But I didn't start deer hunting until I was probably thirteen, twelve ish. And it took me a couple of years to kill my first deer. So uh, my dad, uh, he didn't he didn't hunt. So he took me because he knew I wanted to go. My grandfather took me and my dad took me hunting. And uh, I killed my first deer whenever I was 15. And it was a 98-inch eight-point that I killed with a 30-30. I ran probably 30 yards, and I shot him at least five times. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had to be sure he was so, dead, huh? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't fed with the silver spoon, you know. It growing up, if you saw a deer, you shot it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yep. So it's it's not the same mentality anymore. So. Well, I think that's I, probably a pretty common story amongst people that grew up hunting yeah. in the South. I mean, that's not all that. Uh, different than than my first experiences around that age, you know, growing up hunting and running dogs and killing whatever you could kill because it was a big deal to kill anything, you know, and uh, especially anything with four horns was a really big deal. I I remember one year um, I kept up with every deer I saw in a season. I didn't bow hunt that at the time, and it was the entire season was thirty something deer, and that was hunting. Friday evening and Saturdays, and any any time I had off, you know, to run and hunt club, thirty deer all year long. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Times are do you times think, are changing. Do you times think? Do you think maybe that's that's why we're so people in the South and in Louisiana in particular are are, are so ate up with it even more because. Uh, say it say it take a young kid getting into deer hunting in the midwest and kansas yeah. or iowa something like right they're going out and experiencing the best of the best right off the bat right. and i feel like not that they could get i don't think burnout is the right word but they i feel like they could lose interest in the yeah. process and the grind whereas somebody down here like if they make it through those early stages of like not seeing much and this and that like and and they want to keep hunting they're really really going to want to keep hunting so mm-hmm. i wonder if that has something to has a factor in it it makes them hungry man it makes them hungry well, us, us guys from the south you know that grew up in that era yeah but, you know if you get off and shooting i'm not bashing anybody that does this but if right start right out at the top what you know what what do you got to look forward to I think yep. that's a. I think that I think what you're describing there, Colin, is really kind of a human condition with anything in life. 
you know the the the, the sweat equity that you that you develop in anything makes you more passionate it it ingrains it more in you and you can see that in all kind of areas of life where it's just a it's a different approach to anything if you have to earn it you know and i think that's as fathers and coaches and whatever else mentors of whatever in life you know you're trying to you're trying to instill that in young people because if you know hunting is our example here and if if you learn how to if you get it that way then you've kind of got it you know it's not something that that that's just going to be fly by night and it's something that you're going to have more passion and more more push and you're going to be more you're going to get more out of it it's going to be more fulfilling to you where yep no no matter what it is yeah well back then i i asked the question because you know one of the things i wanted to talk about a little bit is you know with obviously hunting's a big part of your life and and with you you running them uh, a youtube channel where you post your content and stuff like that i'm curious you know what are what are some of your more you know what what are some of your favorite tactics when i'm speaking really specifically about hunting in the south hunting at home in louisiana and th- and this could apply to really any part of the season but what are, what are some of the 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 your most your 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 most favorite i hate to say your most favorite that sounds stupid but your favorite tactics that you employ year after year that seem to be successful for you you know finding deer bucks specifically and right. having success um uh, I guess kind of going anywhere really, but mostly in the Midwest that are funnels or bottlenecks, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's, you know, anything that can paint something uh, down for deer travel for you get a close enough shot <clears throat> with whatever weapon you're using. So um, I really like to key in on that. Uh, going back and forth from, uh, from feed to bed, from bed to feed, you know, vice versa. Uh, even in the rut, I'll do because your your does are still you know they're still going to the crop fields they're still going to bed and where the does are you know the bucks are going to be you know cruising through there too so and you can still find it's tough but you can still find funnels in the south um mainly with for me is uh waterways using a waterway or a, a fallen tree you know, whatever you can find to help inch that deer in there uh, to where you can get a, you know, an ethical, uh, ethical shot is, is funnels are my favorite thing to hunt. You know, it, the one, number one way I like to, I like to hunt. So I think it, it gets talked about a lot because everybody's trying to figure it out, you know, and, 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 you you alluded to it 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 is a little harder to identify the those kind of terrain features in the south where it's thicker and more wooded really anywhere where it's thicker and more wooded but speaking specifically about that um about louisiana but aside from aside from that and terrain features uh, you know you hear people talk a lot about there's a lot of things that you can do and get away with from a tactic standpoint like calling to deer and mock scrapes and different sense things like that seem to work better in the midwest are there any of those things that you have figured out how to translate to your hunting in the south and been successful with on a regular basis or are you still kind of in the camp of some things Dude, just don't work in the south 
our deer in, in the south are a totally different animal in my opinion um not to say that i haven't called up deer and rattled up deer in louisiana um uh, mock scrapes you know do work here but if i put one up in the midwest i may have deer in there that night you know or that evening before before it's dark you know so um I can't really translate that from the Midwest to Louisiana. It's not, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's not a fair comparison, but yeah, Louisiana. Well, it's not a fair comparison. Totally <laughs> They're totally different. <laughs> I mean, and, I, I, and everybody says that about their state, right? You know, yeah. But it's not. So, well, I think um, my take on it is a little bit like, you know, I'm like you. It's not that some of those things have never worked for me in the South or or even that I believe right. that they wouldn't work or something like that. But I think the difference is it's just it's you can use them more liberally when you hunt those deer in the Midwest. They're just more receptive. Yeah. And, and, and when you hunt in the South, you can do that kind of stuff. You just got to be a whole lot better at identifying when to do it because it's not going to work right. most of the time. It'll work sometimes it'll it'll work but figuring out and that's to me another thing that's always so completely uh when i go back and forth and and we do that a lot nowadays with we have properties in the midwest and we go back and forth hunting other states and so you you're 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 stepping into one world and back into another and and trying to you know uh separate you know what you're you're planning and how you're viewing things from one one week to the next and you know, I, aside from any specific thing like calling to a deer or using a mock scrape or something like that, aside from any of those specifics, in the in 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 deer activity as a whole is so much more predictable in states that have a different season structure, different habitat, you know, overall and terrain. You can really you you're like you said earlier you're not always successful sometimes you go and the weather doesn't cooperate or mm-hmm. you just don't make the right decisions yep. and you don't get a chance but generally speaking from from early season when the season opens all the way through the late season the deer are it's all almost like they're more in sync when you go up there and you hunt those those deer that live under that you know kind of pressure and that kind of season structure versus ours our deer you know as an example, you know, Levi hunts two and a half hours away from me, kind of northwest. Colin hunts 20 minutes away from me to the west. And all three of us can see completely different things on the same day in basically the same yep. weather and everything going on. You, you go up to the Midwest, yep. and if you're you're hunting in, in one spot, and I'm hunting 20 or 30 miles away, pretty much the same shit's going on where I'm at where pretty, you're at. Pretty much. Pretty much well, it's so. like he said, deer, deer act like deer up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that. That's the thing about our state and and a lot of southern states, but our state really, I think, is one of the the main ones where we have so much diversity in our deer herd and in our habitat that those that that deer herd lives in. I mean, example is is you know we talked to Ronnie a couple episodes ago, and you know they're in, they're they're about to start their rut. You know, yeah, and he's only two hours right. away, and we won't have a rut yeah. until after, you know, till Christmas, in most of the state, and and yeah. then January for some other parts of the state. So that makes it really difficult. And I think, you know, when we talk about how to be consistently successful year after year with finding the deer that you're after and getting a at least a chance to have an encounter with them, 
is being able to figure out for whatever, whether you're off hunting with a buddy in, in one part of the state or you're on your home property, like really being able to figure out and identify what the deer are doing because it's just not as simple as, as it is in other parts of the country. It's just very complicated, and it's almost like our deer wake up in a different mood every day throughout the season. That's, that's how it seems yep. to me. I agree. And for me, hunting in Louisiana, I have to really prioritize my time because uh, it's 12 days into the season, and I've only personally been hunting once myself. I've taken my daughter three times. She killed a doe sunday so um it's almost as if i have to go to the midwest if i'm going to get any tree stand time because yeah. we've got ball games we've got boy scouts we've got 4-h we've got soccer we've got we get to go to church well, i don't want to say i got church but we get to go to church um you know it's always seems like it's something to do and then i have i'm a fireman i have a lawn care business we run a crossfit i do taxidermy work so it's almost like i have to go to the midwest to get any you don't have any free time. Yeah. Do you sleep? Thomas. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, we stay busy. It's almost like your vacation when you go up there. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And like the only thing I'm worried about whenever I get there is killing a deer. Not that that's all there is to hunting. No. But my goal is to kill a deer and get back home to my family. So yeah. if you're a family, you can relate to that. Yep. So, as much as I want to enjoy the trip, uh, my goal is to to kill that deer and 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 uh, get out of there as quick as I can. I don't want to say like that, but uh, uh, my family needs me too. So that's my goal when I get there. Yeah. Like every every mistake is could be costly that you make up there for me, right. for anybody really, because your time is your time is important. So, yeah, I I find myself. I mean, I'm in in a similar situation with kids and family, and I find myself. If I'm at home and I do have time to go hunt, I mean, my my oldest son is now at the at the point where I I can't really go without him, and that's right. fine. But I'm at the point now where I don't I don't I find myself off in another place thinking about. It, man, if I get out of the stand, I got a million things I could be doing, or I should yep. be doing. Yep. And when I'm off somewhere else, that that's I, it. I just, if I get down, what am I going to do? You know, go, that's it. go watch Keep TV. On. You know, and then yeah. Stuff. That's what's the point? I think we, it, I think we all point. hunt harder when we go, when we, when we get away from home. Even if you're at your camp, but it's local. Yeah. It's your camp. There's mm-hmm. things to do. There's chores that need to be done. There's projects that you're thinking about doing. I mean, it's. When it's when it when that dynamic goes away, as a hunter, I think you're a lot more in tune now. I mean, and and I think when you combine that with the fact that you're in a target-rich environment that is easier to <laughs> decipher, and and then and you're keyed in on it and you're focused and you're hunting really hard, you know, it, it kind of it lends itself to what it is. It's a high success rate, and so yeah, you know, That's, I mean, I hate to put it like that, but. Uh... And I'm not taking away from anybody that kills a big buck in the Midwest, but they're still uh, mature animals. So, yep, they they but. they still make it hard. So we we had a we had a, a little bit of a list of things that we kind of jotted down leading up to this episode, and I want to touch on a few of them because a few of them I thought were really interesting. 
to get your take on. And one is uh, you put on here the red moon. And I, and I admittedly, I know what it is, and I know there's a lot of different things about it in the hunting industry, but I don't, I don't pay it much attention. What, what are your thoughts about that, that whole concept? So if I can, I will plan my trip around going on the red moon. A lot of folks think it's hogwash, but you got to admit there's something to the moon. I don't look at uh, the actual moon phase at all. I don't personally. Now, what I'm saying on this entire podcast is not the gospel because everything uh, works for different people. Uh, the red moon is when the moon is either overhead or underfoot at peak movement times. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the moon is overhead or underfoot um, every day. So when I say peak movement times, it's at, at gray hours, you know, when deer want to move anyway. So there's a, uh, they say that there's a gravitational pull that uh, uh, the deer just want to get up and move uh, during those times. So whenever you can match the red moon up with a uh, cold front, high pressure days or whatever, um, uh, in 2000. 18, I believe it was, I killed five mature bucks on the red moon. So I don't think that was just an accident. So, yeah, especially whenever you get picture over picture of picture and they're all at night, then all of a sudden you go hunting and you wait till a red moon and a weather event possibly coincide each other and you kill it on the first sit. There's something to it. I see Levi nodding his head. What's your take on this, Levi? Um, I, I think there's some validity to that. Uh, and Adam, Adam probably knows about him. Uh, Adam Hayes, uh, yeah. Yeah. People that watch the outdoor channel or he, I think he used to be on the outdoor channel. They had a TV show called team 200 and yep. Adam Hayes is kind of known for killing really big deer. Um, yep. and I think he, doesn't he own the moon guide? Yeah. That's so that's uh, the red moon. I don't think yes. he came up with it, but. No. I think I I don't want to say so, but yes, yeah, he is, he is involved. He uh, I I used to buy you you can actually, and I bet you still can. You can still probably buy the actual dial. Yeah. Uh, and I shoot, it was probably eight or ten years ago when I first heard about it, and I would buy the dial every year, and they even got like one for the rut too that kind of. Here's a, it's based on a certain area, if you even yeah. can believe that, which I don't really know if the rut thing worked because Louisiana, I mean, yeah, it didn't not, like, nah. because Louisiana's got, I mean, you can hunt the rut all deer season long in Louisiana, so. Right. Uh, but I, I think there's some validity to it. I'm, I, I used to actually record all the weather data and all the moon data, specifically the overhead underfoot time for years. I've got a journal that I used to write that down every single hunt that I did. And when that red moon time, when that, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say, is it the, is it the overheaders of the underfoot time that coordinates with the evenings that's better? Do you remember? I don't. Or is it either or? It, it's Anyways, really, it's either or, I believe. Okay. Well, 
either anyways that core that when it's correlated with a good like high pressure cold afternoon you better freaking get ready because you're about it's going to be a good afternoon you're going to see a lot of deer movement and yep. the big deer yep. the older deer tend to be up on their feet a lot more so uh i think, I think i've killed a book. A, mm-hmm. Go ahead. there is a book uh yep. jeff murray wrote it it's called the moon guide i actually yeah. have it uh, moonstruck or something yo you do have it okay i've got one called called the i think it's called the moon guide and jeff murray wrote it uh i do have that one and i think you are right i think there's another one called moonstruck and i don't know yeah. who wrote that one but uh so it's I've, interesting. I've got a lot of i've got a lot of hunting buddies that i've turned on to the red moon and they're like, man, your hogwash, your hogwash is, it ain't true. But uh, send me the red moon dates, you know, of this, you know, of October. And I'd send it to them because they didn't either have the dial or the app, which I have the app now. And it just updates every year. And I'd send them the date. And it's, you know, it's it's crazy, the, the results you'll see. Of course, you got to, you know, add all your other hunting uh, arsenal in there as well as that's just a, an added benefit. So if, if you've got a big buck you're hunting and, you know, he's not 100% nocturnal, you know, in my opinion, your best chance of getting a deer is on a red moon. Uh, Lee Likoski, he's another one. He goes, you know, of course, his property ain't nothing like what we hunt, but um, he's a big red moon guy. So when you're, I have the app too, and when you're, when you're looking on, I'm kind of new to this, this whole red moon thing, but I got it this year. When you're looking at this app, I'm assuming the red moon is when the day that the moon is fully red. No, it, that's just a um, a nickname, I guess you would say, for um, – I don't know why they call it the red moon, possibly, you know, blood, you know, shooting a deer or whatever, but it doesn't have anything to do with the red moon that the public knows it as. It's just the red moon means you, the moon is overhead or underfoot at grade gray hours but when i'm looking on the app how do i tell what days oh yes yeah 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 okay so let's look at it um so your next red moon day is going to be on the 17th of october and it's going to be at uh 3 13 p.m i'm going to be hunting in oklahoma on that day well yeah so flip is going to be hunting on that day. Okay, you so you on the on the calendar, the days that are red are red moon days. Exactly. So you okay. got 17th to the 22nd of October. You know those those times vary depending on where you live, you know, but overall I see yeah, they're right now. What is the name old, of this on the app? old dial? Moon it's guide. just um, Moon Guide, Adam moon guide. Hayes Moon Guide. Is it free? Uh no, I don't no, think it's, so. Just just text Colin and get him to send you the dates. But it's yeah, easy you pay to get you on. Yeah, I, I paid for it this year. That's because I was, you know, curious to see what. I got good. I got buddies that still bomb the red moon dates. Well, Colin them. Colin usually has more service than I do everywhere we go anyway. So <laughs> let me put it in. Let me put y'all keep talking, but I'm gonna put Paul Huskin and see. I need to read that book honestly, but uh, I do know the red moon works. So. Is on, there, the, is, on the old dial, you used to have to add like 
depending on how far you are east or west of the yeah particular place in the United States. I don't remember right. if it worked off of, but you had to add like so many minutes to the time that was put yeah. on the dial. I'm I'm going to get in the stand about two hours earlier, so it ain't going to matter. <laughs> is there is there is there anything that that is there a habit that you've created or something that you do specifically when there's a red moon other than going to the stand earlier making sure you hunt those days is there something else you find that that kind of correlates that you can do like calling or a specific type of setup that you're looking for on those days no you know even though on the red moon um, for instance, on the 17th, it's, you know, the red moon is at 3.13 p.m. And it says you need to hunt a transition zone or a field edge. So, like, uh, most of us don't have the luxury of choosing, you know, those stands because, you know, we may not have that on a particular farm that we, we get to hunt. You know, if all you had to hunt is a, a funnel or a field edge or whatever, you know, you just I don't necessarily go by that, but as far as changing up anything I do, no. But uh, <laughs> as far as getting on the stand early, I'm going to be, if it's a red moon in the evening, I'm going to be in there super early. So is there a is there kind of a, and, and forgive my ignorance, I don't know anything about this, obviously, but is there a window within this? Like if they say 313, are we looking at, a 12-hour window, a two- or three-hour window around know. that time, or, or what? I, I would probably say an hour. Hmm. I, I mean, they I know there's people – I've heard people talk about it on podcasts that, like, they hunt according to this. Yeah. And only I've this. I've heard it. Yeah, I've heard it. Um, it like, this year, I'm not going to make the red moon for – if I get to – I'm going to go to Missouri, Lord willing. But it's not going to be a red moon. So, hmm. and I would have to look back last year to see if I killed that big deer on the red moon, and I think it was. Hmm. So, is, does it happen uh, every month? Oh, so yeah, multiple. Here, I'll I'll screenshot it for you. Send it to you. So the second through the seventh was a red moon in October, and then you have the seventeenth to the twenty second was a red moon, and Halloween. And through November the fourth is going to be a red moon. So Halloween through November the fourth is going to be uh, a lot of deer dying in the Midwest. Cause they yeah. always do that yeah. time of the year anyway. Yeah, they do. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna pay. I, I'm gonna try to pay more attention. I'm, well, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, just just pay attention and, attention and do their yeah. <laughs> Like, come into it with open eyes and, and see what it does for you. So, just pay attention, you know. Say you saw 12 rack bucks that day. You know, go back and look at Colin's Red Moon see if it was, you know. So, all these red I'm, dates are yeah, red, moon. Are red moon. I'm looking at the screenshot. That's, so, these are all Red Moon dates, and each one of these dates has a primary time attached to it for that day. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, Adam, is Adam. the – is the the blue date is that just new moon? Is that what that is on the on the calendar? They're like the twelfth. That's that's the date. That's today's date, dummy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> hey, 
It's all good. <laughs> if, y'all, if y'all don't know what he's talking about, uh, when you put an app up, it actually like identifies the, uh, that's the funny. day. The, uh, I'm an the, idiot. Day by making it blue. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's like, what's this one blue uh, number? Hey, bro, I'm, in, I'm invested, bro. What's I'm this one blue number? Dude, I almost just – I, I should have just – said it but I that, like, means oh, you, that means you that means you just got that's the day you got to sit on every day colin yeah blue day is you need to hunt water on the blue day i thought that was yesterday <laughs> damn it i swear it was blue yesterday too now it's not blue yesterday oh man I'm i missed it, it. Mm. well that's interesting man i know there, i know there's guys shaking their head right now and thinking that red moon is junk but that's there that's just a selling pitch but um, I mean, whatever, whatever you want to think. So <laughs> one thing that one thing that I do remember about it, because I was I was hot and heavy on that thing uh, for a couple of years. Not not to say I'm off of it now. I just kind of stopped really paying attention to it. But one thing I do remember is those those red moon times. If they correlate with like the the last hour bite, you know, because they're obviously crepuscular animals, but is, do you do you recall that Adam? Like if that time, just say you know, you know, right now I guess it's was it getting day darks at six forty five or sunset is so seven o'clock. It's too dark to hunt. If that time is if that red moon time is right around dark or so, it, do you see if that are those days better for hunting or that time or do you have any you, opinion or, on that? Are you like basing that off of a red moon that's at like three o'clock and it's getting dark? Yeah, like comparing comparing one to that's just say it, yeah. you know, right now it's six thirty, which when y'all were talking about the nineteenth specifically, Friday the twentieth, the red moon time's at six fifteen p.m. So yeah. that's like prime time. So some that's some prime. red moon days yeah. are better than others, is basically what you're as saying. opposed oh, yeah. to like three fifteen. Yeah, being the red one, moon you know the, the later one the later one or the earlier one is going to be going to be okay. the best yeah okay so you so like for example so next 17th 18th 19th tuesday wednesday thursday next week is a red moon and well at least where me and lock live we're supposed to have a cold front hit so yeah. you think the red moon and the cold front you think it's just gonna be dynamite yes if y'all are huh. where you need to be yeah what if you don't know where that's at? <laughs> uh, you're in the same boat I am. <laughs> that's I mean, this yeah. red moon is trash. I don't ever see anything. Yeah, <laughs> Jump. This, yeah. I mean, Throw this thing in the trash. Well, and and for a lot of people in Louisiana, you might be sitting there on just the right time, but you can't see through all them damn pines. So who knows, right? Yeah, the exactly. The deer might be up walking around fifty yards from you, and you can't see him anyway. You know, yeah, I mean, he's still old. Yards, he's still old and mature, and he ain't gonna walk out the wide ass open, even if he is on his feet. That's or that's if you're another problem. If your if your corn feeder hadn't gone off yet, yeah, <laughs> forgot to fill it up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, yeah, that's that's a whole nother. If you, by the way, we're 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 starting to run up against it on time here. But if you've got any uh any useful tips for how in the hell to hunt pine thicket deer, that would make this episode really great. <laughs> hey. Every now and then it lines up and you kill one down here. It's like <laughs> those guys 
when I say those guys, uh, how do I phrase it? I don't know. They don't know what it's like. They don't realize why I'm willing to drive five to 900 miles to go deer hunt. Yeah. Okay. So they would only have to come down here to hunt and see. Yeah. No. Yeah. They, they, they come down here and see all this timber and, you know, the, all the, you know, all these different places deer can hide, you know, y'all got these bucks, but it's, and it's, I'm not saying that every property in Louisiana is that way, but. Well, it, it, it's, it's true. And I, I've got, you know, I've got friends that I've made over the years from the Midwest that have in that time span, they've actually came and hunted in the South and they, it doesn't take them long to realize, okay, I know what you're talking about. Deer yeah. and deer and turkeys. They're like, oh, holy crap! I don't know how y'all keep doing Absolutely. this. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I'd when, quit. When you go sit. You go sit five, six, ten times. And don't see a rack buck in Louisiana. It's like, dude, you know, you might yeah. see that in two days up there. Yeah, you know, the last thing I was gonna say on the moon guide stuff and the red moon, and and I and I honestly don't know, um, who all the different people and and brands and stuff that have promoted it, it kind of commercially over the years the only thing that i've that i have had sort of an issue with is not the validity or the science you know potential science behind it i feel like some of the marketing that's that's attached itself to this whole concept is is it's sensational you know it's like well if you're not killing 200-inch deer, it's because you're not hunting the red moon. It's like, well, no, I mean, most of these people aren't killing 200-inch deer because there ain't one within 200 miles of where they live. You know, I mean, you can hunt the red moon all you want, and if the biggest son bitch on your place is 120 inches, I mean, that's just what you got, you know. I mean, that, and, and they just don't, they, it's, I guess it's, it's just marketing, you know. It's, it's just marketing. Yep. You, you hype people up, and, you know, you kind of breeze past some of the logical points of like, okay, well, you can sell this, and it might make for a better pine ticket hunt, but that guy hunting that pine ticket, he can hunt every red moon on the calendar and hunt it exactly right, and he ain't going to kill a 200-inch deer because there ain't one there. No. And they they, 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 they don't they don't really, you know, that that's the difference in locations. You know, and there are places in our state where there are a lot bigger deer, and I'm sure that yep. a lot of these things, you know, play the role. But, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the tried tried and true thing that comes up on this podcast a lot and it's something that I I really you know it kind of I identify with it a lot. I I go hunting anywhere if I'm hunting as a guest with someone or I'm hunting my property or whatever. I mean, I obviously like everybody else, I want to kill the biggest deer I can. You know, that's what I'm there right. for. But if I if I go back here behind my house where the biggest deer I've seen in eight years was 142 inches and he was by far the biggest deer i've seen in eight years yeah then right. it, you know and i i killed that deer and 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 so i know that you know i kind of know what my ceiling and my floor is the thing about it is there's deer walking around back there that are 120 125 inches they're five years old and they're smart as hell and if you can kill one of them things with a bow and arrow he might not something. he might not have 20 or 30 more inches of horns like the one down the road you know, somewhere in a, that where where they got better nutrition or, or a better deer herd or whatever, but that sucker's just as much as a formidable opponent. And you know, mm -hmm. so all of this stuff we're talking about, it you know, that's my thing about the 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 moon stuff. I feel like it's been passed off commercially 
as this way to kill these deer that don't even exist for a lot of people that, that are buying exist. into it. You know, it's yeah. like, no, I mean, the more appropriate way to say it is you can, you know, it increases your chances on mature deer. But a mature deer for you, it's, you know, is is it is whatever it is. and But that's right. not how it's been marketed. It's been marketed. If you want to kill monster whitetails, if you want to kill 200-inch deer, you need to pay attention to this. No, if you want to kill 200-inch deer, you need to figure out how to, you need to figure out how to hunt where there's 200-inch deer because they ain't everywhere. Yeah. You know? No. And that's that's my yeah. my only thing. That in in the, the unfortunately for somebody like me who hasn't paid a lot of attention to it, and I'm learning a lot in this conversation about it. But unfortunately, the thing is, for somebody like me that 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 might look at it the way I have, you just disregard it because it's so sensationalized. You're like, this has got to be bullshit. Because I, yeah. I mean, if there's any truth to it, you've kind of spoiled that by 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 all this kind of false narrative marketing that surrounds it and that's unfortunate because if it's something that is could really you know legitimately help people figure out how to be a better hunter and how to enjoy it how to have more success and all that kind of stuff um but that's just yeah. marketing for you I mean, that's marketing and everything that we you see that with broadheads and bows and everything you know um yeah like yeah. lock talking about grim reapers that's not bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I agree with you. You got to hunt your herd, so yeah. You know, uh, Adam, do you? Uh, I'm sure you probably have. Do you put any validity into the Deercast app? Do you have? Do you use that? Uh, I've heard lots of people talk about it, but I'm not. I can't. I'm not real familiar with it, so yeah, I, I can't speak on that. Okay. I've always thought the Deercast app, Levi, is just a really fancy user interface for the farmer's almanac you know? is, is the deer cast strictly about weather it it, it, it um, supposedly has an algorithm to it where they combine the moon phases with the weather and the time of the year and the location yeah. and they they it's cloud a, cover yeah it's a predict it's, it, it's a prediction is all it is it's a forecast it's, right. it, it's a they call it deer cast because it's a deer movement and activity forecast so they take your common variables you know that we just mentioned and they come up with a right. forecast for what they predict the deer are likely to do when and how on a given day and and basically like i said it's just a really fancy phone app version of what we all used to see in the the, the written farmer's it, almanac you know it's not a long-term thing either it's like a they probably have like a 14-day outlook or something like that so it's yeah. kind of like looking at the weather channel but yeah. i've 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 used it and I've seen it. I'm not gonna say it's right every time, but I've killed some some good deer when it was supposed to be good. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm it's the gospel, but I think it does help. Oh yeah, absolutely, weather for sure. Yep. But most of us have our uh, Midwest trips planned, you know. Oh yeah. Fourteen days. Yep. Well, I can't even do the fourteen day. There's that's more money. <laughs> I've got. Oh, the, it the, is it? Yeah. So they'll let I've you pay the, for a, a longer term forecast that's less accurate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, <laughs> I guess. Come that, on, Mark. That sounds. <laughs> yeah. Those guys kill giants too, and they they have for a yeah. long time. Mark Drury. So, 
Mark Drury's a good hunter. I, I don't care what farm he he hunts at. He's he's a good hunter. That dude kills big yep. deer every year. I yep. think that 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 a lot of these tools and stuff they have their place, and I just I think that the most common misstep in the general hunting public about all of this kind of stuff is there are intangible factors that are hard to figure out and we'd rather not have to deal with them and these apps kind of give you that like it kind of gives you that false sense of security well that app and that forecast and and that kind of stuff yeah it plays a factor in the deer's life what's going on in the weather and all these things that they take into play but it it can't factor in the pressure in your area you know the deer herd health in your area It can't factor all that in. And if you, you know, what makes a good hunter is someone who can use those tools and then also apply the intangible stuff for their specific scenario and come up with a likely uh, plan of action or, or whatever you would call it based on that. And I think that like so many other gimmicky kind of things, a lot of people just, they just take it and just use it completely on face value without those things that obviously you know play a, a really big role in how accurate and how useful those tools yeah. can actually be yeah and sometimes we just need to go hunting just go yep. uh, especially if, uh, if your schedule allows it and it's the only chance you got just go yep so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be sitting at the camp on the couch and open up deer calves no. and it say, "No, oh, it's a bad day to hunt." And I'm not going to go mm-hmm. hunt because of that. No, it's not happening. No, no, I might go out of my way to hunt that day if I can. But uh, if I got time to go hunt, I'm go. Well, the thing about it that I, I I think I guess a good way to throw an example for what I was trying to say is the guy that's at the camp and he opens up the deer cast or he looks at the red moon. And he makes a dumbass decision based off of his situation because he thinks all that's okay. Well, this says I, I, you know, in other words, he goes in and hunts an area that he really shouldn't be hunting at that time of the year with that wind or whatever, but he does it because some app said this is the day to be there. Well, you've got to factor yeah. in other things. I mean, it doesn't, you know, yeah, you, you can hunt, but you still got to hunt smart. And I, that's, that's one of the things that I wonder how much of that plays into the the overall like kind of general usage of these kind of things is like okay are you are you messing up you you you've done maybe a a hypothetical would be you've done a lot of things right to hunt this area and then you make one dumb decision because you're anxious and you're ready and and the app tells you it's the day and you're like ah this app says i need to be there so i'm 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 gonna somehow convince myself that this deer is going to act completely out of character because the app says the moon's right, you know? Uh, And, and that, I think that's the kind of thing that might happen sometimes with these kind of tools that, yeah, you know, like there are just local factors. You got to always pay attention to no matter where you're at. They're just, they're just tools. So like if you, if you go hunt a spot in in September that you shouldn't be hunting, you know, it's not going to, that's not going to help you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's been a good conversation. We appreciate you coming on, Adam. We're we're kind of running up against our our roundabout time. We don't have an exact time, but uh, tell us. We we've did been on hour and fifteen ish. That's like pretty that. good. So yeah, we didn't really cover all of Adam's topics either, so we might have to get him back on 
little bit later yeah, we on. We may in do the year, this maybe. again later after you've had some more hunting and maybe have some more stories to tell. But as we wrap up and kind of before we wrap up, give us a little bit of a rundown, uh, a little bit more about you know what you got going on with your channel and maybe you know what kind of hunts and, and content you're planning on putting out there this year for people to look for. Yep. So I just got done editing one today. Uh, my daughter killing a doe. So um, I'm not prejudiced. So I'll I'll uh, show those too. So um, you can find me mostly on YouTube. It'll be under Redline Outdoors, and you'll see the uh, black deerhead logo. Uh, I'd love to have y'all along. And hopefully, I'll have a big buck on the ground at some point this year. Um, I just aired a hunt. A friend of mine killed a velvet buck in Mississippi um, opening weekend. It wasn't a velvet hunt. A deer was still holding on to velvet. I think it was whenever uh, Mississippi opened up September the 30th, maybe. I, I'm not yeah. sure, but yeah. it's on there. Yeah. So uh, I do have a TikTok. I don't use it much. I'm kind of anti-TikTok. Uh, uh, I just use it for advertisement. And I have a Facebook and Instagram as well. You can find me on any of those, but preferably – YouTube, that's my go-to place that you'll see long-term content. So, Well, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your uh, willingness to come on here and shoot the bull with us yep. for a little while and talk hunting, and we're glad that nobody's okay. house caught on fire so we could get this hey. done. <laughs> yeah. Adam's uh, I was worried. <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting on the tone to go off uh, any second because, I mean, you never know. So at least y'all won't have to edit that out. Yeah. Well, but I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Just remind everybody as we wrap up here if you want a chance to win the uh, Bear Execute with the Trophy Ridge accessory package, fully rigged out, ready to go. All you got to do is pick up a hat from LouisianaBowHunter.com. Between now and December the 15th, you'll be entered in that drawing. Buy more than one hat, get more than one entry. Uh, we'll be posting more about that, possibly doing some promotions where you can get some more entries into the drawing um, during this time period. But uh, another thanks to Bear for, for supporting the podcast. And uh, they got some really cool bows um, out this year with the Execute being the flagship and uh, some other stuff. So check them out and... Go pick up a hat. If there's one you got your eye on, now's the time to get it. You might win a bow. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that, and uh, everybody be safe. Enjoy the hunting season. Uh, interact with us online. We would like to hear from you about the kind of things that you'd like to see from Louisiana Bow Hunter, as far as content, podcast topics, and, and guests, and, and different merchandise that you might like. So any of that kind of stuff, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, and uh and just keep following along we greatly appreciate your support and we'll talk to you next week thank you for listening to this week's episode of the louisiana bowhunter podcast if you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com and if you want to help support louisiana bowhunter go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise if you don't have any at your local shop let us know and we'll reach out to them or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day see you next week